Welcome to CF Digital, the show that asks the tough questions about child custody, co-parenting, and child attachment. Parent and family court practitioners from around the world and across many disciplines will find these programs valuable. Dr. Mark Roseman, founder of CF Digital and publisher of Contemporary Family Magazine states, as with our magazine Contemporary Family, CF Digital focuses on the global issues of child custody, child development, and family policy. Our global guests and panelists are the pioneers, practitioners, and researchers who will share their many unique perspectives on the issues of interventions, treatment, and law. Whether you are a therapist, attorney, legislator, or parent, you will find a fountain of information to help with your chosen discipline here at CF Digital. Please share and write us your thoughts on the program. Welcome back to CF Digital. Today we're speaking with Ms. Rael Lapenta, and I hope I'm saying that name right. Ms. Lapenta, you are a behavioral and sensory specialist for children, and you are also the co-founder of Interference with Child Custody Coalition. So let's start off. Give us a little bit of background about yourself, how you got involved in children's rights. Um, well, I, I've always been involved in children. I was a special education teacher for many years in New Jersey. And um, then when I moved over to Pennsylvania, I was still working in New Jersey, but had realized that um, my skills were better set in the home with children, so special needs children. So I went to Texas and I became um, a consultant in relationship development intervention. Um, and then I started working in a pediatric wellness center with other therapists who, who met with special ed children. And I started running social skill groups. Um, and then I branched off and now I have my own office where I see kids with special needs, mostly sensory processing. Um, the kids that, you know, have issues with behavior because of that. And I go into schools and observe. And um, so I've always been involved in children. And then in my own personal life, um, I broke up with my ex and a custody issue has been basically going on since. Um, and we did have a, a, an evaluation recently and which showed that I was being alienated. Um, and I didn't understand it at first, what was going on. So I started researching about it and researching about it and researching about it and, you know, finally learned more about parental alienation, which then eventually led me to, there was a big national public, um, a dance, a dance mob um, awareness day that we set up for last year. And that put me in touch with, and Claudio Vias. Um, and Claudio Vias had been pushing these things in Texas already, but had found that there's a law against custody interference. Um, so custodial interference is a law in every state, 50 against 50, in all 50 states. And um, it's not enforced regularly and, and it should be. Um, so we do research and, and help parents learn and advocate for themselves to try to help this alienation piece in terms of the, cr the criminal aspect. Okay. Now, again, Julie uh, from FanPack is with us, Julie Grayson. Julie, we spoke about this the other night, how everyone we've interviewed so far on the show has had it affect themselves in some aspect personally. So, you know, I, I find it interesting that here we go again, another mom who is uh, affected by this personally and got involved in advocacy for children. Yes, yes. It's um, it's an omnipresent 
present issue that uh, we deal with not only in FANPAC, but also in terms of just um, uh, the national media in putting it out there. It's critically important to understand that custody interferences uh, is a criminal offense. There are statutes in every state, as uh, Rael had mentioned, and those need to be honored. So there are often times where I do run across many, many parents, both um, mothers and fathers, as well as grandparents, who have court orders and they have set time with their kids and there's repeated custody interferences by the other party. And unfortunately, um, many times uh, police officers are told that to basically tell people this is a civil matter, go back to civil court, when in reality, depending on the age of the child and the jurisdiction, it is a criminal offense. Okay. So, Ms. LaPena, you got some legislation going on that you're involved with trying to get passed. Tell us a little bit about the, the stuff. Um, so in, in Pennsylvania, what we're doing is we're pushing and meeting with legislators. We have a group of parents um, through our IC3 Interference with Child Custody Coalition page. Each page has, I mean, the national page has individual state pages under it. So um, parents from that group all meet with legislators and explain to them the problem. Um, and when we come at and explain the facts and the numbers, you know, then we haven't had anybody that's not willing to help so far. So in Pennsylvania, what we're doing is we have one representative that is planning to meet with the attorney general to explain the situation. So the attorney general can give down a directive to the district attorneys and then down to the police department saying, we need to create a policy with this law and this law has to be enforced. Um, we also have worked with another Senator who is interested in putting in an amendment to the law that would take out the pieces that sort of hang up police officers that they say, well, you know, the law says you take if you take a child in, and it doesn't include withholding in Pennsylvania. So some of those kind of things are going to be um, added, amended in the Pennsylvania law. And then we also have legislators, which we've shared the Texas legislation with and said, this is a great model. So, you know, are you interested in filing something similar? So we've spoken to lawyers from different senators who dra are drafting le new legislation. But our model, like I said, with Claudio Bias is from Texas, because now there's maybe two dozen different bills this session in Texas um, about custodial interference. And so they all sort of some are coming from a different part of it. So the law, the legislation right now that um, Claudia's has worked on, and today actually it's being heard in the committee, is HB 969, which basically due to all Claudia's research and, and speaking with professionals down there and what the holdup was and getting the numbers, what it is, is each municipality can adopt sort of a citation program where if you interfere with custody that you could get a ticket for up to $500. And then after three of those tickets, you're showing a pattern to the district attorney. So the purpose was when um, she had spoken to police officers and say, why don't you enforce this? The, what they had felt like was when you it's too much that, you know, a, a, a parent shouldn't be arrested for a felony if they miss a visit for 15 minutes or whatnot. So it sort of gives that leeway. Um, it's also huge because it gives a little bit of a deterrent. Right now, unfortunately, there's not much of a deterrent for parents to just keep their children when they want to. 
um, because going back to civil court is so financially and time financially burdensome and, you know, takes so much time that if this legislation is passed, which now it's a bipartisan bill, so everybody's, you know, on board, uh, we're hoping it gets passed this session. um, And then that would be like a ticket. So, and then you would see the pattern that this is not just a 15 minute late parent bickering kind of issue, you know, make it very clear. Um, and there's also legislation in Texas um, regarding taking the statute of limitations away because of a, of a tragic case that a parent, the, the, the dad basically kidnapped the daughter and brought her to, at a few months old, brought her to Mexico and they finally recently found her. The daughter's 31 now, but the statute of limitations ran out. So there's no, um, there's no kind of repercussions for that parent. They also have legislation that is going to keep the district attorneys accountable. So they would be fined up to $1,000 per day and then could be fired at the end of the week if they don't press charges on the, on the cases that come across. Um, and there's just so many bills and legislations down there that we're using for models in other states too. Now, what I find interesting is you state that these sort of laws exist in all 50 states. Why is it that no one's being held accountable for not following these laws? We're not sure where the breakdown comes from. For sure, that's a problem. So we had a representative had told us that in Philadelphia County in Pennsylvania, there was the same exact issue with squatting, that a, a person who owned a building would call and say, there's a squatter in my, in my house. And then the police would go and the squatter would say, nope, I, I live here. And then the police would say, okay, it's civil, um, which it was not, it was against the law. So what had to happen in that case was the attorney general had to give the directive down to the DA to say, make a policy that says to the police officers, no, look at the deed, see whose name is on it, and then arrest the person that's squatting. And then that law was enforced. So unfortunately, you think that police officers, I guess, will understand how to follow the law, but if they don't have the training on it, they won't. We just went to the sheriff in Delaware County, and this custody order we were specifically saying said the sheriff is to enforce this custody order and they said this has been happening for 27 years they would they don't know what enforce means the judge writes it and they know um that they're they can't enforce it that mind-blowing that they don't understand what the word enforce is that they're asking they're looking for specific direction so we met with the district attorney who luckily was saw the issue and went and talked to the family court judges I just got word from another parent in my county that um, the, the family court judge now is is saying you're going to be in contempt. They're taking it seriously, the interference. So, you know, that's one aspect of it because the police police do not have policies for this. And unfortunately, they won't. It doesn't seem like they're enforcing laws or not enforcing them easily if they don't have a policy that specifically directs them. Now that, now you just brought up a good point. Now, I'm former law enforcement, and we were always told and trained, as the term is used, that these are civil matters, that we have to send them back to civil court, that we can't interfere. And we have a retired sheriff coming on in a few weeks to talk about this. But it all comes down to what's in place. Like you're saying most law enforcement agencies don't have policies, but there are laws there that they know they should be enforcing and stuff. So it basically does come down to training in most police academies throughout the United States and even globally, there are not training modules set up for these sort of instances. So when officers come out here, they have no clue what exactly they're supposed to do. 
Well, you know what? That in 2001, the um, Department of Justice put out a, a, a training guide. Um, he put out a training. They, the training guide is 240 pages. It is exactly what police officers all need to read. There's a section on there that tells the police officers, this is how you read a custody order. You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to have all that training. All you need to do is say who's supposed to have the kid when, if they're supposed to have them then, and then do something about it. So the train, the, the manual and the guide is out there. I just don't know why it hasn't gotten to the police yet. Julie, how do you feel about some of this stuff that's being well, it's so funny. You uh, you echoed what I was about to say now and earlier when Raelle said that training is the pivotal point here. When you're dealing with law enforcement uh, in these particular kinds of situations, and I've discussed this with uh, several law enforcement officers, there is no profile or training um, to get a criminal profile of someone who has a pattern of behaviors that for all intent and purpose, kidnaps and regularly removes the child from the other parent. And I would suggest that there is a uh, profiler, a uh, psychological profiler, criminal profiler that is uh, requiring um, uh, is required to address this kind of is issue with law enforcement around the country. So um, there's no rhyme or reason why if you walk into a police department, a frantic parent who doesn't have their child and it happens on a regular recurring basis to say, here's the court orders, have copies of it on file when it comes to this family because we know it's gonna happen again and it's happening today. And will someone please do something according to the criminal statute in your state? You know, I'm just gonna compare this real quick to all these physical cruelty divorces that never get raised to a criminal statute. Uh, because the standards are considered completely different. So how did your organization interfering with child custody coalition come about? Um, really, it started with Claudio Vias, who who was searching like many of us are for some kind of help and support who came across this law in Texas. And um, then we started working together. And, you know, th there's 50 there's individual state pages under this national interference with child custody coalition. And we just do it all the time. Our goal is to, you know, there's too many people working on this and they're all pulling it from another side. So there's a huge problem and everybody's taking a piece and moving in different ways. And we need to get on the same side to get this pushed. So the, there's important parts of it. The therapy part is important. We're working with um, a group called Voices of Hope to get some training in. The training is starting for some DCF people that includes custodial interference. Um, and we are pushing to get legislative things moved in different states. We're also made, just made the national push on, on interference with child custody day. Um, so really it just became me and Claudia knew that parents need to know this. That's all. So, you know, and then it just has grown luckily so much because, uh, you know, and I wanted to just correct what I had said before. I had said 2001 that this guy came out and it was, that was their big study, but it was 2011 that the missing and abducted children, a law enforcement's guide to case investigation and program management had come out from the OJJDP and the missing and exploited children. Now you, you and your, partner uh from texas you guys basically just took the initiative and started doing this stuff and julie don't uh correct me if i'm wrong that's kind of fan pack's mission is to get people to get out there and start doing things 
legislative wise rallies, whatever it takes to get this changed. Absolutely. Uh, Educate, advocate, inspire. We found that a huge piece was like in the beginning, to me, it was at least I sort of got thrown into it. And and the first meeting I went to with Dr. Dieter, with the stuff she was talking about, I was like, I have no idea it was another language in terms of contact this senator and do this open records request. I didn't know any of those things. And it was intimidating. You know, I figured them out, but it's hard for a lot of parents. So we do do a lot of like handholding where we have 20 minute meetings, 30 minute meetings, maybe an hour where we walk parents through. This is how you find a bill. You know, this is what happens once a bill starts. This is how you contact your legislator. Here's a template um, that we've found has really been helpful for those parents to get involved and do more. Now, in our last coffee talk, we talked about and uh, attorney uh, Akish Yoshi mentioned it in your experience. Now, on the show, we don't use terms a lot like mom and dad. We use the term parent. But for this sort of discussion, do you feel in your interactions in legislative aspects and everything that the gender bias issue plays in a lot? It, it, it doesn't play in in a helpful way. It's usually that um, the gender biased groups have already gone in and given information that people just believed believes are facts. They believe that it's always fathers or mostly fathers um, and that it's women that are just being abused. And we find that is not the case. Um, We are in groups like Davia, that's like an international domestic violence um, informational group that's putting out those numbers. It's, it's basically equal. It does. We find that gender does not matter in terms of who might keep a child from the other parent. It's, it's not, it's, basically the same and it doesn't matter to us who it is um but the only time the gender bias is an issue is when they come in and they they're sharing the information first and louder and it's inaccurate that that's what uh attorney yoshi stated that's what julie stated. that's what i stated mark roseman our uh, founder even david kalen from fan pack has stated that the gender issue in my opinion was basically created to keep the separation going do you agree with that I don't think it was created for anything helpful. I do think it was created for a um, a sympathy card, basically, and to play on those kind of stereotypes that are outdated and inaccurate, that, that men are aggressive and they go after poor women and that we need to protect women from this. Um, and I think it's just playing on that card that, you know, is and, and unfortunately, the group, one of the biggest groups that really is pushing this was founded to be an alienator. Um, you know, so that person was found to be guilty of doing this and then had made a huge push to say parental alienation isn't real. It's just a legal tactic. You can't let anybody use it after it was used because she was doing it. Um, so and then it's just all propaganda techniques they use to try to discredit anything that has to do with alienation. And it and it becomes a bigger battle and a huge distraction instead of everybody getting on the same page and stopping this for the kids. Now, I can just imagine when you talk to legislators and try to get these bills changed, that these this is one of the aspects that you're how do I phrase this, that that you come against as an opposition to, to, to the legislation and everything. What are some of the general terms that you have to battle with these legislators to get these things changed? We don't touch the, you know, the term parental alienation. 
because people's minds are set in situations. That's how we felt like going against the custodial, we're going with the custodial interference is more black and white. That is already a law. That is already determined to be an issue and a problem. And we don't even have to touch the parental alienation piece. It's important for people to know about it and know how to get help from it, but that's not a piece we touch. Um, The domestic violence groups also have a power and control control wheel that has use of a child as a piece of it. So that's a tactic they have identified. So we will use that term, um, if anything. Also, the AFCC just put out in 2022, the summer of 22, a problem statement about parent-child contact problems. So which includes alienation, but we use the parent-child contact problems, the use of a child, um, and the fact that custodial interference, bottom line, is a law and it's not enforced. And it's a problem that happens all the time. So we don't really touch those issues. Um, we just try to go at it with the facts using terms that that domestic violence groups have accepted and, you know, terms in the law. Julie, you can interject here anytime, you know, come join us. Sure. Uh, You know, I'm just fascinated by this because, you know, generically, just from a humanistic point of view, the concept of one parent taking a child from another parent, you know, if you just throw away all the labels and you understand that a parent has a right to be with their child, see their child and have time with their child, especially when there is a court order in effect that says that these are the times and this is what has to be adhered to. But we know in our community, Oftentimes, if you have a parent that falls under this type of a profile that holds back a child with all of these reasons, then uh, it's groups like Rael's group, uh, Coalition for Custody Interference, that has to be able to, um, to advocate effectively because no one else seems to be enforcing these laws. And I will just point out in terms of um, gender, the other aspect of this is that you can have a, a parent who is withholding a child that let's say is a mother and um, uh, is sort of cowardice and has a male figure recruited to be able to Um, work with them to withhold the child. So in many instances, it's not just one gender, it's multiple genders that are connected to a parent that blocks access and runs custodial interference. So um, I, I, I firmly believe that this is a human problem. This is a parent problem. And this is a recruit problem that needs to be addressed and looked into carefully. So public policy is put in effect, not only in all the states that are on here right now, we've got New Jersey, Colorado, South Carolina, Rails in Pennsylvania right now, um, that has these problems. And it needs to be a national and a global push to be able to make sure that uh, parents and children are reconnected. Ms. LaPena, let me ask you this. With all the legislation that you, your organization deals with, you know, Kentucky was the first one considered uh, legally and legislatively to pass a shared parenting bill in 2018. As we understand it, they had some pushback from other organizations because they was considered not a full shared parenting bill. Do, do you feel when you talk to oppositional people or even people who agree with you on certain aspects – that the main focus needs to maintain on the children, not who got something passed, not who got something done, but the focus just needs to be on the children of these cases. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, everybody says that the children's best interest is paramount. And everybody knows being with both healthy, safe, loving parents is the best route, you know, to have a parent that is fit and healthy and able to raise their parent, you know, their child the right way has the right to. And the fact that you have a, a custody order that then says that, you know, you should do that. So I know the parent, the shared parenting, um, which we do work with closely, they are support, they support the custodial interference as well. Um, you know, they get a lot of pushback from groups in Texas right now. The, the fight back on their shared parenting bill is the same groups have come out and said, oh, their mothers are just doing this to get um, child support difference. And it's going to mess up everything with child support. You know, they're literally coming at those 1923 stereotypes that, you know, um, the men have to pay and they're abusive and women are just these delicate things that need our support. And then unfortunately it causes a huge problem. Um, but we do see that, you know, the parent, it's really the groups that go against it, you know, and I don't, the, the shared parenting stuff is a good basis to start to have it just off the bat be that everybody should have a shared in their, with their child. Okay, now I'm not sure if you. I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, 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 you did actually. Well, let me ask you this: uh, being from a media background and everything, when you guys go to these states and speak with these legislators and you try to get these bills passed, do you feel media doesn't give enough focus on these sort of issues? No, they definitely don't. I can't tell you how many media places we've reached out to, how many go with the problem, and rarely do they cover it. Texas you know, has covered quite a few. Um, so, cause, and Claudia has been working in Texas longer than us. So that's what, you know, basically what drew me to her was like, she was going with this movement in her state and we see the difference. We see that it's beneficial, but we have not been able to have media cover this kind of stuff. And I don't know why it's so taboo when it's so serious and it happens to so many people. You know, it's like what I, I being from media background, this is basically what I've been focusing on for eight years is family courts and child custody and stuff. So I when I got involved, I couldn't understand. We have a golden rule in journalism. If it bleeds, it leads. But in all the eight years I've been doing this, I, I find that the term gets twisted. It's only one sided of the stories that are told in media. And it's usually not the good side. Uh, you have parents uh, committing suicide, and they're only talking about how mental health was not taken care of. No one ever really mentions about the children in these cases who are being damaged by this. Now, as a bleed and lead sort of thing, you would imagine that media would jump on these sort of stories and give full exposés as to what needs to happen to protect these children. Let me ask you this. For you, personal opinion here. Do you feel that the best interest of the child, which is the doctrine that all family courts go by, is being held to its full value in family courts? I, I don't because I think that, at, at least in my personal experience, judges come at this saying, this is tit for tat, this is both of you, instead of actually looking at the case and acknowledging and being aware that it is not always tit for tat. Maybe in some cases it is, but in some cases it is one person that continually tries to do the right thing. And there's another, or not continually, no one's perfect, but there's another side that is sabotaging that. And, you know, 
the judges of all people should be the one that is aware that this could be happening. But the fact that alienation is a form of abuse and in general, psychological abuse is not acknowledged and it is huge. It, it, this is why all the kids nowadays have all these ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences. You know, in Pennsylvania, that's a huge push. They're saying, hey, why do all these kids have these problems? Why are there's all these ACEs that are happening? They've done the big studies all over and the pushes. Being kept from one of your parents and having to turn on one of your parents is a huge adverse childhood experience and it's abusive. Having one parent force that on a child is abusive and no one's acknowledging psychological abuse. That That's a good aspect because in my research for uh, I've been doing for a year is most states have some sort of statute pertaining to child mental abuse, but there's nothing enforcing it. No definition to clarify what exactly is considered mental abuse on a child. Yeah, and there's not, I would say in every state for sure, you can find physical and sexual abuse, but it is very hard to find anything on psychological abuse or emotional abuse. And if you do, it is very, you know, insignificant. You know, in Pennsylvania, that it has to be that you are, you can't function at all on your age level, you know, so you basically have to be rocking in a corner to be even considered for psychological abuse. Okay, and we have April 25th, which is Parental Alienation Awareness Day coming up. Does your organization have anything that it has planned for the 25th? Um, yeah, so and also on the 26th is National Share Parenting Day. So um, we actually did our big, huge push, though, um, back. And I'm, I think we're going to do something similar for the 25th. On April 8th was Custodial Interference Awareness Day. So we had a six-hour marathon on Facebook Live where we interviewed a dozen different cases of how custodial interference is affecting different lives at different things. We had legislators on. We had parents. We had um, lawyers and sheriff, you know, and all these people that work with on abduction and those children that this is custodial interference is supposed to prevent. And we did a big push to have everyone contact their legislation in their state. So um, I have to look again, it was hundreds, you know, the last time I looked, it was almost 500 people had participated. We had offered a prize that MPO had graciously donated, um, you know, the, the big psych uh, science and law textbook um, to the winner of people to just get the advocacy. So our big push wasn't like a light bulb or, or tying a ribbon on a tree. It was showing people exactly how to contact their legislators and let them know what's going on. We had a template. Um, so I think that we're doing something similar, not the big six hour marathon again, um, but you know, the same kind of push that's going to make it so easy for people to just reach out and tell your legislators what's going on. Okay, and your links to your organizations are going to be down in the description and everything. But if, just for our listeners, if people want to get a hold of your organization, what's one of the best ways to get a hold of you guys? Um, through the Facebook page. So if you go to www.facebook backslash enforce ICC, so E-N-F-O-R-C-E ICC is our big page and you can message on that. Um, we have events all the time for people that they can go and learn how to do these steps, how to start out. 
um, you know, we push people to, to reach out and, and say what's going on. And, and we want to help other states. We also help if there's a state, a parent in one state that wants to be the lead, we will walk them through and do all the things with them. We're helping Colorado. Um, we're, we've helped Colorado and Maryland who are sort of on their own now after they're doing it. Um, we have that group doing a great job. And then now we're, we're starting up in New York and Connecticut. We've been working in Pennsylvania, obviously, in Texas and Florida. Um, somebody's leading a group doing a lot of great things over there. So just reaching out and just saying, hey, I want to help and coming to one of those those meetings that we have. You can also go to heroesforchildrensrights.org. Um, and that page has a lot of information on how to contact us and um, information on interference with child custody. Okay. What do you tell the average parent who contacts you and says, hey, I think I'm being alienated? Um, so we know our lane, you know, so our lane is custodial interference. So we can then say, are you, is your interference being, you know, is your custody custody being interfered with? Um, and so we will ask them to look up their state law or we will provide their state law. And we say, like, read the wording. This is what you do. And we have a procedure that's been effective for people to get this enforced. You know, just like anything with alienation, it's not easy. It's not like you just go and there's a like a switch and the police is like, hey, yeah, all of a sudden we'll follow the law. But there's, you know, ways that we can help prevent some of the backlash and some of the, the block barriers to help the parent get this enforced in their state. You know, Julie, David, and, uh, Dr. Roseman and myself have spoken uh, multiple times about this in private conversation, how most parents want an overnight fix to all the issues. And the reality is there is no overnight fix. These sort of things have gone on for years and pub basic general public are unaware of it. So it's been allowed to just the hamster wheel has been allowed to keep spinning. Now we see more of a turn, more public awareness coming out. What do you think causes sudden shift in awareness in general public for these sort of issues? Uh, it wasn't it wasn't it just FAMPAC and IC3? Didn't we do it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're pretty relentless, right? That's we just finally got it. I don't I'm not sure the big push. I mean, that's I don't. I mean, people have been around doing it. I don't, I'm not sure what is finally getting to people, but we have seen it different, you know, maybe from different aspects. Uh, you know, the Cadence Law, I think, was eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, and hopefully that was something that got positive stuff for us, even though, you know, it's trying to cut alien, it's trying to say alienation's invalid, and it's not, that's not the case. But those groups are getting there. But so maybe the information is spreading that way. You know, I, I don't really, I can't, I wish I could say why, that what was the magic key? <laughs> but with parents, they have to, they do have to realize it's a marathon. This is not a quick fix. It was happening for a long time before you realized what was happening. And it's been happening for many, many years. Like you said, people are unaware and they've been unaware for a long time, but also we've been traumatized, you know, maybe not, probably not as bad as our kids are traumatized having to go through this, but we're traumatized and we can get stuck very easily because it's isolating and it's in, you know, it's unjust and you can get stuck in every door being shut and shut and shut. It takes you definitely taking care of yourself to be able to keep knocking on a door that's been shut again and again, but that's the only way to get anything done. Yeah. You know, Dr. Roseman <laughs> loves to go ahead, Julie. You know, I would also say in terms of that, Rael's site 
is very well set up in the fact that there was a lot of research and effort put into it, not only for her state, but all the 50 states and beyond. And so if some any of the listeners right now, it takes 60 seconds to go to the site, to be able to put in your zip code, your name, and there's a letter that is already done for you that goes to, from the top down, Biden, and the vice president, and on the federal level, all the assembly and Senate representatives from your individual states. And you will immediately get a feedback email thanking you for taking the time to go to interference with custody. And they will show you that your letter was sent to, and it's a long list of people just in that 60 seconds. And believe it or not, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I ended up getting after I subscribed and I did that in 60 seconds, three response letters from staff from three people within my jurisdiction who wants to meet with me. I've already had a meeting with one and I'm going for two more within the next 10 business days. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. We've had a lot of people reach out a lot. A lot of legislators reach back out. We had one in Pennsylvania that had told me, oh, this isn't a problem in my county. I said, it's definitely a problem in your county. He said, but no one has ever told me, you know, so you have to let them know. You can also copy and paste that template that's on heroesforchildrensrights.org and send it to your police department, send it to your sheriff, send it to your DA, the people that need to know for sure. I'm so glad to hear you got good feedback from that okay julie you you got anything on your table that you want to ask yeah uh, well i just wanted to make a general statement every child loves and deserves the love of a loving fit parent in their lives and as parent advocates as professionals within the community um it, it is really critical to understand that this is more for them than it is for parents in this community. And so I think that everybody can find five minutes within their day to reach out to all the resources. You have FANPAC, F-A-N-P-A-C of New Jersey.org, and we help anybody that comes in. We deal with all 50 states and all different uh, people around the world come into our organization for support, advocacy, and direction. And now you have Rael's uh, resources as well. And collectively, again, anybody listening right now, please understand that you can go to CF Digital and partnering with Dr. Mark Roseman from the Toby Center in Florida on all of these issues to get help no matter what jurisdiction you are in. Yeah, I agree. And people have to say something about it. We just, we have to take care of ourselves and people have to speak out about this, you know, and, and our organization, like you said, and FAMPAC want to help you do that. Um, but unless we start saying how much of a problem it is, it just isn't going to get fixed and we can't do it alone. I mean, we're working our best to do many states, but we just can't. So, um, you know, from any state, just if you, like you said, it takes five minutes, you can do it at lunchtime on your lunches. You know, we can't make it easier. We just, you just copy and paste and send it out and get this information out to people. Yes. And the empowerment that it does, if you have a parent that is so distraught over not seeing their child for extended periods of time and has the right and the capabilities to be with their child 
this five minutes, this exercise can take them to the next psychological level where they will understand how powerful advocacy can be and it can really work and it can make a difference. It definitely does. We've seen so many parents that come in and they're not sure if they can do it and we walk them through it and then they just sail with it. And they're, they want to let everybody know about everything in, in a way that we know is effective. Um, you know, it definitely, it gives you something else to think about. In some of my hardest times, it was a reason to get up, you know, that I knew that I could do something about it because it is so, you feel so helpless when you're alienated, um, you know, and this is something that you can control and you can do something about it to prevent this happening in other cases to other kids. You know, you mentioned earlier on something, Ms. LaPena, that I completely agree with is that even though it's happening to you and you're, you're dealing with these sort of issues, you have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, if you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of your children and fight mm -hmm. for them in the long run? And you did, you know, uh, everybody agrees that this, these sort of things are marathons. They're not quick fixes. Mm -hmm. These things can go on for years. Dr. Roseman even comments that the trauma that these children go through, these family court cases, lasts for six generations. That's 150 years that it gets passed on to their children. So we're not asking these legislators and stuff to, you know, suddenly flip the switch and perform God act like uh, miracles, but get started. These are our children, our futures that we're trying to save and protect. Rael, do you what is the law again in Texas that was successfully passed and how long do, uh, do, did it take to get that passed? Um, it's like I said, it's being heard right now. So um, I, Texas is, you know, Claudia has been, Claudia would know better. She's been working on this. Um, I think it got started last session as well. So I think it's been, you know, probably two years to get to this point. Um, they have, every state already had the custodial interference law, but this one about the citations, HB 969 for this session is the one that's being heard today for a testimony. Um, but it's looking good to go through. So hopefully at the end of the session, it'll be voted on and it can get started. And then the next step is required. So just like any other law, you know, we found out it takes sometimes years for police officers to be told, hey, there's a new law, <laughs> you know, so the next step then is getting that information out. This is the law and this is what has to happen in the training for that. And, and I think, uh, Julie, if you can agree with me or not, but I think through all the episodes, it's one of the biggest aspects that we talk about is education for these agencies, education for the judges, education for the lawyers, social science. The education is ongoing and has to be put out there. If there's no education, you're not going to change anything. A lot of those gender-based groups are running the education. And that's the big issue with Caden's Law is that they want to push that only domestic violence groups are going to educate um, the judges. And they're only going to educate about physical abuse and sexual abuse. Um, so that's why we're really pushing Caden's, you know, so amendments and changes in Caden's Law in every state. Um, because that'll just keep this going even longer. Psychological abuse has to be acknowledged. Ms. LaPena, let me ask you this. Does any of the legislation your organization is proposing deal with constitutional protection in family courts for parents and children? Um, no, we're, we're sticking with more of the um, interference piece. Like MPO is working on shared parenting, and I know they have like a parental rights bill and things that you have um, rights to do that they, they have templates that they provide to push that. Um, but 
like I said, we, we try to stay in our lane, although we wind up branching out more and getting more, but we want to make sure that we keep our focus where we know our facts and we've gotten the information and we did the work. And so, um, we're, we're not pushing that part at least yet. Okay. Let me ask you but, this but now. NPO stands, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, NPO is the national parents organization and, uh, it is a wonderful umbrella organization that covers so many issues. And uh, Don Hubin is the past president and uh, sits as a head, I believe, on the board there. Um, if you want to reach out or go to the website and uh, get some information from them. Let me ask you this. When your organization tries to get these legislation, do you feel more social science is needed for these legislators to understand or just basic reality checks. We haven't had an issue where a legislator was confused about the issue because we push for in that state when you're about to like get started, one of the first things you need to do is request the policy and procedural manual through an open records request of your police department. See if there's a policy that they're either not enforcing or um, doing differently or there's no policy. So that's one issue we go. And then we also say, go get the numbers for your state. So um, in Pennsylvania, they don't even track it from the get go. If you call 911 and say, I'm supposed to pick up my kid and my, you know, they're the parents saying no, or I can't find my kid, you know, from the beginning, they're getting grouped as a domestic violence, uh, domestic disturbance. So, but in Texas um, and each state should be fixing this. Um, but in Texas, they get about a thousand calls per month in San Antonio alone saying that there's custodial interference. So in Pennsylvania, we're using that number. And so we encourage every state to, to ask for those numbers through the federal open records request act so that you go to the legislator and you say, Hey, we don't talk about our own cases. So we go and say, Hey, this is the problem. This is how big it is in San Antonio. There's a thousand per month. The next step is that it's not being enforced. There's maybe four, five, six people sentenced in the year in the whole state. In, in Pennsylvania, there was 120. Now, it was a huge jump recently. There was 78 a few months ago. Now there's 124 cases that have ever in the whole entire state of Pennsylvania been sentenced since like 1984 for this crime. So that alone is like, hey, wait a minute. Um, you know, that's a huge problem when you show the numbers and then you show that it's not enforced. So we don't really even have to go into any of the other piece. It's obvious that this is a problem. And we do have every parent on our case has had custodial interference like many have. So my children have been kept successfully because police would not intervene for six weeks, four weeks, um, for a year. And, you know, we have another parent who has primary custody and um, the, the dad only has every other weekend. She hasn't seen her son in 18 months. The court order specifically says to enforce and no one will enforce. So when we bring those numbers to them and specific examples of people they can see in these virtual meetings, we haven't had to go into any more. You know, plus the fact that the Department of Justice has been saying this for years, that, that police need to be trained. This has to be enforced. And it's a piece to prevent abduction. There was a, a reason, you know, the OJP, OJP puts this out. They've said this years and years ago. There's a reason there's a law there. There's civil and there's criminal and they're different and they're different for a reason. And, and I will say that 
during the uh, pandemic, it was even exacerbated more because a uh, parent blocking access to a child used the pandemic as a, a crutch to be able to withhold the child longer, saying it wasn't safe for related um, COVID issues to go to the other parent. And I actually had someone who was on with uh, FanPAC during that time who was actually an ER doctor, okay? And that was an excuse that the other uh, parent was using to block the child from a front lines healthcare worker at the height of the pandemic. And she had to go to court, take uh, take time out of her schedule, take it higher to the next level in the court in order to spend resources, money, time to be able to get this child back uh, with her fit qualified uh, mother who was saving lives every day in the emergency room. And I'll also say that um, on average in our community in FanPAC, there are people that go approximately five years without seeing their children. And this is uh, people coming in from all jurisdictions. So this just again, from a humanistic le uh, level is unacceptable in a civilized society. It is. And we, we believe that, you know, there's routes for everything. You have to get a therapist and go to support groups and take care of yourself, do grief healing, do trauma work. You have to go that route and take care of yourself. You have to go the route of, of family court. You have to go and get the order fixed. You have to go and try for contempt. You have to go show the judge what's going on. You also, you know, have to take care of the, cr the criminal aspect, if it's a crime. So there's all different avenues and that, you know, you need to tell your lawyer, the law legal stuff, your therapist, the, your personal stuff, you need to get therapy for the kids. And uh, we also believe you need to advocate so that this won't keep happening. Um, but there's lanes for everything for sure. And, you know, criminal and civil are just two different lanes that can get at this problem. Okay. Well, one of the things that we interviewed, uh, several, we interviewed several attorneys and a lot of people, I think, kind of, you know, like you use the term, stay in your lane, but these lanes branch off. A lot of these parents use their lawyer as a therapist and a therapist mm -hmm. as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, how do you determine which to do at the point? It's an emotional battle that you fight. Yeah. So I think a lot of people probably realize financially <laughs> first that, wait, wait, wait a minute, like I'm paying per minute for this lawyer, um, you know, but you're so you're tr you're in trauma and it's your brain's not thinking clearly, you know, so going to a support group might be the way to go going to something like FanPack um, and just putting it out there where you can have other people saying, hey, this is where you need to put where you need to put it. Um, it just as a, was a financial change in mind first, like, wait, wait, a minute. I can't, I can't do this marathon forever and complain to them. It's just not their realm and they're not going to help with that. Um, you know, it just, that took me figuring out and accepting that this is going to be a long haul. You know, I really thought it was going to be at first, I thought people would do what they should. I, I really thought that it was obvious that this is a problem. Hey, will someone help? And um, I didn't realize it would be that hard to get help. I think that's what a lot of parents feel is that they have this belief that right is right and wrong is wrong. And that's the way the system mm -hmm. works. But when you get involved in these sort of issues, like we all have, we find out it's not the case. That the help isn't there that we expect is supposed to be there. But that's also why organizations like yours who are getting these accountabilities, as David would probably say, legislation change to hold these individuals accountable mm -hmm. 
So you're supposed to do what you're what the law states. Right. Yeah, it give it, it's empowering for parents to hear. Wait a minute, there is something I can try to do, you know, about it. And, and we post all the time cases of this happening, and it is getting enforced more and more. So, you know, it's just one more route to try to get this at. It's not going to stop if you're alienated. This is, you know, custodial interference isn't going to stop when you get it enforced, and you have to go the other routes too. Um, but this is an option, and parents need options. Okay. And we're going to wind up winding the show down here in a a couple of minutes. Uh, One way we end the shows is I ask a basic question is, is parental alienation a crime? Do you feel? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Julie, I'm sure would know more to answer this from the legal perspective. But technically, is it against the law? It's not specifically against the law. If you consider it psychological abuse, it would depend on your state. Um, But that becomes another Again, that's a whole nother route is to get that kind of stuff. You have to get that, you know, called out and and specified. But as far as my knowledge, there is no law that says that parental alienation is wrong. It's like maybe against the custody factors, the best interest. Um, It doesn't fall under them. But um, like I said, Julie would be more of the expert about. What is what I'm asking is what is your personal aspect as a parent? Oh, should it be? Absolutely. I think it's very clear. It's clear that it's abuse. It's custodial interference, which is part of the law. Um, It's uh, unbelievably damaging to so many people. I say that often, the ripples. Not only am I devastated when my child is, is forced to be turned against me, but even my nieces are suffering because they don't see their cousins anymore. It goes out and out and out the ripples, you know, and the damage that is being allowed to be done to the the targeted parent and these children is absolutely criminal. I like the answer you gave there because most people don't think about the ripples as you use the term grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles. Uh, It it just goes on and on that the damage Mm -hmm. is affected. Uh, Julie, do you have anything you want to go with before we end the show? Yeah, I would just like to um, mention, you know, as a legal researcher and so many people calling FANPAC to find out about the laws, check your state for custody interference laws, okay? And check your state, although I know Rael had said, um, you know, parental alienation um, is not a crime, um, I put it in the realm of child abuse, and I know that the experts in that area um, have been peer reviewed as well as um, uh, been able to really address this issue. I know Dr. William Burnett and Dr. Jennifer Harmon are really on the, um, and and certainly Ashish Joshi, the attorney who did the uh, Silence and Law book that is um, for the American Bar Association. Those are resources that you can find. Yes, parental alienation is definitely child abuse. When a child is split and put in a position to choose as a minor between a mother and a father, um, they ultimately learn to hate one half of themselves. And unfortunately, the brain, so we understand from the experts, is not fully formed till the mid or later 20s, the frontal lobe. Um, With that information, it's not the child's fault. You know, you have to um, be able to meet your child 
at their feelings, where they're feeling right now, even if their feelings are based upon complete misinformation, you have to be able to connect with them and in some way get it out there to them if you're completely blocked, maybe through a therapist or through someone that is appointed uh, for the child, that you have tremendous empathy for the child, you have compassion for the child, and that all you want them to know is the truth, but still come out of this uh, horrible situation with uh, uh, with minimal damage, which is kind of an oxymoron in these cases. These kids will forever be damaged to some degree, but certainly, um, again, with all the organizations we just put forth, please reach out, please be involved, please know there is hope, and again, educate, advocate, and inspire. And with that, we're going to wind up closing out the show. F folks, if you're listening to this episode and all our previous episodes, let us know what you think. Let us know what information you want. Please subscribe to follow the show. We're going to have more and more uh, prominent guests like Miss LaPenta and everything on. We have a full lineup for, what, Julie, the next six weeks, I think, we have a lineup of guests every yep. week. Yep. Uh, it is important to remember that 25th april 25th is parental alienation awareness day uh but as you heard from miss lapenda there are other national days awareness days out there that don't get as much media coverage they don't get as much popularity uh i hate to use the word popularity but recognition out there you know so i think personally i think google needs to just get them all down there we do kwanzaa let's do thing on, right. your calendar. on the calendar there's also National Family Abduction Day that is going to be in May. And and that's something we're going to cover here in probably a month or two because a lot of people, you know, in the global society that we live in today, a lot of parents have that issue of their children being taken out of country. And uh, only 1% of 1% of, of kidnapping is ever done by a stranger. Exactly. So we're going to end the show. And folks, as always, God bless. Let us know. Answer the poll and question at the end of the episode at the bottom of the description. And you, just stay strong. Take care of yourselves for your children and keep them at the focal point of everything you do in your life. CF Digital is rooted in the contemporary family magazine mission to preserve family ties, whether parents are estranged, children are alienated, or otherwise impacted by their societal trauma. In each episode of CF Digital, we deliver a candid, down-to-earth, and supportive interviewing style that is both educational and enjoyable. In this way, you will more easily learn the history and vital skills necessary for you to become more effective practitioners, child advocates, and parents.